Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It is uh, Wednesday at 5 o'clock Central Time. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I always do this time together, and it has been a fantastic study on people from the Old Testament. I think this is our seventh week, Peter. It is indeed, and I think it has actually exceeded expectations thus far, at least ours. We don't know about the listener expectations, but but for For us, us, right? Are you kidding me? We've learned a ton so far. We started with some major players. We've had uh, Moses and Joseph and Jeremiah. And then we had Phineas. We did. Not really a major one, but right, interesting. Right. Was. And then uh, who else? We, we have it, Daniel and Joseph that Daniel, we stuck in there. Joseph. Yeah, indeed. And today we're going to do Isaiah. Yeah. And the, the guests that we have today, now these are names that I've heard, but I've never had a chance to meet. And I'll tell you what, it's been fun already in the first few minutes of studio together. So what was going on in the green room that I missed? Well, I can't tell you that, okay. Bill. That, that's privacy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Our special guest today is Dr. <laughs> Mitch Glazer. He's the uh, president of Chosen People Ministries in New York. He serves in Manhattan, and he's here in town only for this, I think. Uh, we think he did talk about it. I will say in the green room, he did talk about the private plane. So I think it's actually yeah. parked outside somewhere. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, we're awfully glad to have Mitch in studio, and he's also joined with his friend and our friend, Tom Berkowitz. So welcome both. It's good to be here. It's good. We do need to hurry up. The pilot's waiting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Time is money, Mitch. So let's get, let's get cracking on this Isaiah character, Indeed. huh? We're joking. We're joking. Yes, if, we are. We're if joking. you're a friend of chosen people, I don't fly private. That's <laughs> 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 oh, funny. So let's uh, let our audience be reminded of you and your story because you uh, grew up in a Jewish family in New York. Yes. And came to faith when, at what age? 19. 19. you got quite a story. I mean, not a lot of my guests have had a sawed-off shotgun up to the back of their neck. Yes. Well, that, I mean, that could be arranged, I guess. <laughs> I, it really, it, it, you know, there are a lot of things that we do to help people come to faith, and th- that would be one. I yeah. mean, that, that, yeah. could, that works. <laughs> Probably relatively effective on some levels. You know yes. all those stories where people say, you know, I, was, I knew I was about to die, my whole life flashed before me. You know, I was 19, and I didn't have much of a life. It was like nothing. Not much to <laughs> flash. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there was no flashing. <laughs> all I could think about is, I'm going to only make $300 off this drug deal, and I'm going to die for $300, yeah. you know? Mm. Anyway, I didn't die. Yeah, but you were you were doing drugs and selling drugs, right, at the time? I was. But, yeah. you know, that was, I'm not going to justify it, but it, but it was, as my daughter once said to me walking down the street in Brooklyn, she said, hey, Dad, you were a hippie, right? I said, well, you know, she says, but you sold drugs and stuff and did drugs. I said, yeah. She says, oh, that's disgusting. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I said thank you for the affirmation. So, yeah, so I was kind of a hippie, and uh, my two best friends became believers, and Is that Ephraim? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Joni, they've been serving as missionaries in Israel now for over 30 years. That's fantastic. Mm. And they were picked up hitchhiking by two Gentile Christians who turned around to Joni and said, so honey, are you saved? 
And that's the direct approach. It, she, <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 Bill, they were only believers for two weeks. They didn't know any better. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so Johnny said, no, I'm Jewish. And, you know, that's supposed to stop the conversation. Yeah. But yeah. they were new believers, so they didn't know. <laughs> and so she said, well, Jesus is your Messiah, too. Why don't you believe in Jesus? She's now looking to jump out of the car. But in those days, speed limits were higher, you know, and so it wasn't safe. And so she decided to sit there and listen. And I, honestly, the way she tells it, I mean, it was about a 12-hour ride from uh, northern California, through northern California. They didn't have 12 hours of information. They only had about 20 minutes of information. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it sounds like Peter and I. This was a very distasteful conversation anyway. <laughs> so by the time they got to where they were going, Coos Bay, Oregon, Oregon, excuse me. Uh, she she had accepted Jesus, and uh, maybe just to stop them, I don't know. But she accepted the Lord, and then came down a few weeks later to tell me and Ephraim Ephraim about Jesus. We told her she was nuts, and she was no longer Jewish, because we were now having papal Jewish authority. You know? <laughs> and uh, and they said, but but we're just the same as I said. But you're not Jewish anymore. And I went up to Oregon. Someone challenged me. I read the I began reading my Bible in English, the Old Testament, and <clears throat> Older Testament. And uh, eventually I said, God, if, if you're real and Jesus is the Messiah, show me. And then something, this probably happens to a lot of people, but after I prayed that prayer, I was working down south of San Francisco at a, a campground. I was working for the Marin County Board of Outdoor Education, which is quite a group to work for. And uh, we were actually renting a Christian camp. And there in a phone booth, and if you don't know what that is, look it up in Wikipedia, there <laughs> where there should have been a ledge of, of where phone books should have been. Anyway, it's a copy of Good News for Man, Modern Man Shining in the Moonlight. So I stole it, began reading it. <laughs> and look, I didn't know what a Christian camp was. They, we rented it. The Marin County School Board rented it. They probably have New Testaments all over the place, but I never noticed it. So I began reading it. I finished it in probably two days, maybe three mm -hmm. days. It was good news for modern man, so mm -hmm. it was easy. And I discovered two things. One, and maybe you know this, but Jesus was Jewish. Uh, you know, his pictures, you'll appreciate this, but his pictures usually make him look Scandinavian. <laughs> you know, Jeffrey <laughs> Hunter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then the other thing that was amazing to me is I jumped right over everything and I just said, you know, if, if God was like anybody, he would be like him. And it was only within a couple of days that I accepted the Lord, mm. and that was almost 50 years ago. Mm. Nothing's changed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still Jewish, you know, but everything's changed. Yeah. And if you're thinking about believing in Jesus and you have needs and you're hurting and you are looking for a relationship with God and you want to, you want to be changed and transformed, you know you need it. Let me tell you, believing in Jesus is the best thing you could do, not only because it's true, but because it's through his power that you change. Mm. You don't have to enter into some kind of new discipline like a new diet or some kind of working, working out uh, procedure. I'm telling you, he's going to take hold of your life and he's going to transform you from the inside out. So if you trust the Lord, you'll see the difference. I love it. So Mitch... Glazer is our guest, and he's uh, written, among other things, many things, a book called Isaiah 53 Explained. 
So we could spend the rest of our hour talking about that, but we do want to talk about the prophet Isaiah, and we want to learn what we can from you, Mitch. Well, now, I, 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 Bill, I was really expecting to get into character. <laughs> you, know, you go right ahead. So, Peter, you don't mind? I mean, I, no. so I've been, I've been sort of, you know, I, I live in New York. We have a lot of actors, okay, of out of work actors, yeah. but, but I'm, it's kind of a method Okay. So, okay. Um, so right, you I'll, go into character, and I'm there. Peter and I will hang up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in the other room if you need us. I wanted to borrow Tom's bathrobe, but, the, but yeah. he wouldn't let me. So, all right, I'm there. So, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and lifted up and greatly exalted, and his train filled the temple. And then I saw the seraphim fiery serpents. Each had six wings, two, two covered the face, two covered his feet, two he flew, and one called out to another, Kadosh, 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 Adonai Tzvaot, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Hineni, which means, here am I, send me. Now, I'll stop there and pause for a moment, because what I didn't know, I'm still Isaiah, okay? You're in character right I'm now. I'm in character. Okay, what yeah, I, that's good to know. What, <laughs> you need to know that. What, what, what I had no idea was that this, I had just volunteered to do something that I never would have volunteered to do if... I had known what God wanted me to do. I remember my ancestor, Abraham. And at that moment, God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, came to him and said, take your one and only son and bring him up the mountain. And uh, first, Abram's, Abraham, even before he heard that, he said, he nanny, here am I, same thing I'm saying. And he had no idea. So take him up the mountain and, and do what, Lord? Kill him. All the promises of God were in this little kid. And so I was supposed to kill him, which would not only kill my son, but kill all the promises of God. I had no way of understanding that that wouldn't happen. And so God is now telling me to go and do something. And what is it? Well, friends, sometimes God asks us to do the impossible. He said, keep on hearing, but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but don't perceive. Then he said, make the heart of this people dull. Who wants that kind of a ministry? Mm. I started complaining to God, but immediately I stopped, and I realized that this was special. Make their ears heavy, blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Boy, I was ready to quit before I got started. And then the worst came because I asked a very natural question. You know, I guess you guys have never talked to Isaiah before. It's okay. So, so I asked, I, I, don't be shy. I asked a very natural question. If I'm going to do this impossible ministry, surely because God has chosen me and I said, he nanny, it's just going to be for a few moments. So I asked the question, how long, O Lord? And he said, not what I wanted him to say, until cities lie waste without inhabitants, houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and forsaken peoples, places are many in the midst of the land. 
And I thought to myself, Isaiah, the next time you volunteer for something, <laughs> ask first what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is pretty good advice. We're going to take a very short break. We're talking about Isaiah today, Dr. Peter Kapsner, and I. Well, <laughs> so glad to have Dr. Mitch Glazer here in studio with us, along with Tom Berkowitz. We're having a great time, and I'm glad you're joining us. We'll take a really short break. Be right back. study of people from the Old Testament. We're talking about Isaiah today with Dr. Mitch Glazer from Chosen People Ministries, all the way from New York. He's here with his friend Tom Berkowitz. Tom hasn't said much today, but you know, you're always invited in, Tom. I have nothing to say. I mean, I'm not as old as Isaiah, so I always... (laughs) Who has remained in character. He has remained in character. Isaiah gives you permission to add whatever you would like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Bill, we always have sort of during the break conversation, but it's been a little unusual this time to have an actual prophet as part of that conversation. I agree. We didn't know really how to approach him. No, we didn't. To even plan for the next part of the segment. So, no, I kind of I kind of froze up. I did too. I did too. It was an awkward <laughs> yeah. 90 seconds, indeed. But uh, God often asks us to do something before we know what it is we're being asked to do. It's a great point. Peter, it, I think you had a follow-up question for Mitch too. Well, I think just that. I think it is a really good point. We were chatting during the break about the idea that God does ask uh, Adam and Eve in the garden in, in Genesis 3, where are you? And and so you were teasing at this point that the prophets are saying, here I am, Lord, or Abraham is saying, here I am, Lord. And, and even, Tom, you were saying this is not a geography question. This is this is kind of an obedience question, and it's often yeah. happening before we know what's going to happen. So I'd love for you to tease that out more. Well, I think the Lord is using these folks, and even Moses was was the same way. You know, right. he was a little more reluctant because he had a speech problem, but but Moses, <laughs> <laughs> but Moses was also had that same willingness. And um, I think it's okay for us. I think we need to be on an obedience hair trigger. You know. We always have to be ready to obey. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's not like I have to think about whether or not I pick up my cross today. You know, obedience is a part of our life. It's mm. a part of what God, it's part of our discipleship. And, um, but we don't have to know everything that God wants us to do. And sometimes the ministry can be a little difficult. You know, go talk to this person who will never take you seriously or go do this role or do something and God won't take you seriously and they won't take you seriously. But if I can drift back into my Isaiah mode just for a moment, because please, you know, I'll dim the lights. Did you guys know that Isaiah actually was from Brooklyn? Anyway, I just I didn't know that. I, I, I had a feeling that you were not sure of that. So, in the in the midst of all of this struggle for to be obedient, uh, there is oftentimes some hope. Now, in Adam and Eve. You, with Adam and Eve, where are you? We're, we're hiding, and uh, we know we did something wrong. Uh, we're not ready to admit it. God actually intervenes, and in Genesis 3.15, he gives them the first messianic prophecy in the Bible. So in the midst of this darkness of disobedience is a ray of beautiful hope that then is developed all the way throughout the Old Testament story. And I had a real part in developing that. 
Of course, this is Isaiah talking. <laughs> of course, it's Isaiah. Who of else? course, it is. Who yeah. else would it no be? No one else. <laughs> Clearly. Let me let me help you guys. Uh, in, Please. In verse verse thirteen of this of my great of my commission, in uh, my chapter six. You know, there were no chapters and verses when I wrote that. You yeah. just wrote. Yeah, yeah. that came just, later. Right. Just you just wrote. wrote. Yeah. Right. And so, this might you might need explanation on this because I'm I'm speaking in my context. And though it though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. And once I heard those words, even though I, you know, I didn't know a lot about sawing wood, until later on, it just so happens that according to the book of Hebrews, which some of you may have, uh, that was written after my lifetime, but <laughs> you know. Uh, so I was actually, by tradition, sawed in half in a tree trunk. That's, if you read in Hebrews 11, you will see that actually mm-hmm. written there. And uh, again, if I would have known that that's what would have happened, maybe I wouldn't have been that happy about this verse. But, but the holy seed <laughs> is its stump. Then I would have a bad relationship with stumps later on. But, but in this instance, what God told me is that even though people were not going to listen, even though this could mean the destruction of the Jewish people, that God would never fully destroy the Jewish people because God made a covenant with the Jewish people and said that through the world, uh, through the Jewish people, the entire world would be blessed. And, you know, if you look in my book, if, if you and I suggest everybody read it, before you meet me in heaven, because you really don't want to be on the wrong side of me. I'm just telling you. So <laughs> this is Isaiah talking from, from Brooklyn. Of course, it's Isaiah. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm That's reminding yes. my audience. This is <laughs> yeah. This is of course it's Isaiah. <laughs> that does change the context substantially. Yes. I mean, can't you see me? It's radio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then, then there's a, a, another hopeful sign in in when I wrote chapter seven, verse fourteen. It's a it's a great. Little little statement: A virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So it's it's not all bad news that Isaiah dishes out day after day. There's some good news that a child, a redeemer, is coming who's going to be God with us. And then in chapter nine, we even give him some names. In chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, a child will be born, a son given, the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Pelioetz, Wonderful Counselor. Almighty God, El Gibor, Everlasting Father, or Father of Eternity, Ad Olam, and Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom. And there'll be no end to the increase of his government and over the kingdom of David, which um, uh, he's a really great guy and uh, excellent king, by the way, as far as kings go. And so on the throne of David, he will reign forever. So you see, it's not so bad being Isaiah. You know, I do have some good news, but boy, I know there's going to be another station break. But after that, whenever that comes, I'd like to talk to you about the capstone of my ministry. I mean, it it was something that God gave me to share with people that is probably the most important thing I ever had to say. Mm. And that's in chapter 53 of my book. I love good cliffhangers, but we're still four minutes away from the break. <laughs> oh, good, good. I don't want to. I don't want to force your hand on. Yeah, on but on I don't want to force the actor Isaiah into his next role or his next scene if he's not ready. Bill, I'm not an actor. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Isaiah, I'm wondering if you did, did you see this whole thing coming where it explode out among the Gentiles when you were writing this? Were you thinking this was just for 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 your fellow Jewish people, or did you see? Any of this coming at all? Oh, definitely uh, saw a lot of it coming. You did? You know, because I read Genesis. You know, I'll bless those who bless thee. Through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So I knew some of that was going to happen. Then if you actually, Peter, if you keep reading in my book, uh, you, you'll see. Actually, you could divide my book into two parts, okay? Chapters 1 through 39 are the depressing part, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Look, you've got to start with the bad news before you can right. give the good news. Right. All right, so it's very depressing. A lot of judgment. Hell, fire and brimstone. You know, you got to deal with it. Chapters 40 through 66, that's the good part, okay? So 40 through 66, I'm talking about Nakamu, Nakamu, Ami, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. And it just gets better from there. Mm. And then you'll see in chapter 42 and chapter 49, when you get into the 60s, 44 and the 60s, it's all about God's glorious plan being implemented for the Jewish people and flowing to all the nations of the world, Mm. all the way to the coastlands, which was my idiomatic expression for all the Gentiles. Mm. And so, yeah, I I had a, a good idea. And the Bible is consistent. And, you know, I wrote a good part of the Hebrew scriptures, 66 chapters at least. <laughs> and so it is consistent that God always had a great love. And I even understand in the New Testament, which, you know, I've read, uh, like Walt Kaiser, have you ever heard of him? He's mm-hmm. a very famous Bible teacher. Yep. I'm, I'm very fond of him. He, he likes me too. He's done a lot of books, <laughs> a lot of books with my stuff. Anyway, he said, I, I really like the New Testament. It reminds me of the Old Testament. Mm. So, mm-hmm. so in, in, in the New Testament, you've got this one verse by this Jewish guy named John. For God so loved the world, see, the world, that he gave, well, we'll get to Isaiah 53, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that is where all this is headed. And that's the good news that Isaiah, you know, uh, brings one of the one of the books I really like uh, is called the Gospel According to Isaiah, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I have my own version of it. Looks forward to the fulfillment of this great promise. Mm. You got a comment about that, Peter? I, 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 I'm just waiting for that station break now. <laughs> what station is this? Uh, is this is this in Jerusalem? Uh, you go. You go. were live from Jerusalem. Live from Jerusalem. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> with, with the private jet, nonetheless. Yeah, right. Just... <laughs> All right, we're talking to Dr. Mitch Glazer, and we are having a great time. We're talking about the book of Isaiah. He is acting as if he is Isaiah, which is very entertaining. It and is very entertaining. All kinds of things about the prophet Isaiah. And we're going to come back and learn a lot more. When we do so, uh, we're going to continue talking about what's it, Mitch, where, where do we pick up when we come back? We're or, going to go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53, which begins in Isaiah 52. Can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) All right. Dr. Peter Kapster and I are once again doing our series on people of the Old Testament. And Isaiah is our guest of honor tonight. We're going to just take a short break and be right back.
is uh, time to talk about people from the Old Testament. Isaiah is our guest of honor today. And Dr. Mitch Glazer is taking on the role of Isaiah and talking as if he is Isaiah from uh, Brooklyn, New York, which is interesting because that's where he's from. <laughs> so a little hybrid of both Isaiah and Mitch. Well, actually, you know, I'm as I'm, I'm a great fan of Mitch. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mitch wrote a book about you too, didn't he? Mitch wrote a book called Isaiah 53 did you, did Explained. You read, did you read Mitch's book? Uh, of course I read okay. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm the inspiration for it, and I did edit the text too. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he got it mostly right. <laughs> um, but uh, there is a real debate, of course, and Mitch knows this. Uh, there is a real debate as to whether or not Isaiah chapter 53 starts in Isaiah 52 verse 7 or it starts in uh, verses, uh, verse 13. There are good arguments on both sides. As Isaiah, I really don't know what verse it is because I never use verses in chapters. You know, those were inserted later and they don't have any rhyme or reason to me. I have, a, I have ver- various themes and this one is the theme of the suffering servant. And I already talked about some great hopeful uh, prophecies. A virgin will conceive his name. He will be God in the flesh and, you know, all sorts of wonderful things. But this one is is very serious because it's talking about the pathway to redemption for both Jews and Gentiles. And that pathway doesn't come through a religion or through... I mean, you can't, you, you could never offer, I've been there many times. You, you guys have not been there, but you can't offer, you can't offer enough sacrifices at the temple to get forgiven. Trust me. I've seen it done. Okay. It never works because every year the, the same people are back, you know, so either they didn't learn anything or they just don't, they just don't get it, you know, but this, this event from this person, that's it, you know, once for all for everybody. It's, it's, it's awesome. And uh, so let me just jump in and uh, verse 7, and then we'll jump to verse 13. Um, and again, forgive me for uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, if you're listening. Sorry for using these verses, but Americans today need it. So verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, shalom, brings good news of happiness, Hebrew word tov, publishes salvation, um, um and uh, Yesh- it's actually Yeshua, and who says to Zion, your God reigns. That's the Hebrew word machot, which is king. Okay? And so there's all sorts of wonderful things that this good news does. It, it's, it reminds us of happiness, the Hebrew word tov, and that can be used for inner beauty and outer beauty. So it's a great word. So someone could be tov uh, and be beautiful inside or beautiful outside or rarely both. And then uh, who, who brings good news of who brings who publishes salvation, which means to make the way wide. You know, my uh, my good friend King David was uh, stuck in caves a lot. You know, and uh, he would pray often. Often, God save me, which means make the other side of the car, cave wide so I can get out and get away from uh, King Saul, who says to Zion, "Your God reigns." It's so important, uh, dear friends. And I love talking to 21st century folk because you guys move so quickly and, and, and so scattered and, and so fearfully and you get overwhelmed by so many things. My life was a little slower. But you have to understand that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the king. And when the king's in control, we may not feel in control, but he's never out of control. Mm-hmm. How could the king ever be out of control? 
So I love the king. And then in verse 13, my servant will act wisely, and it says that he'll sprinkle many nations. That's the Hebrew word for atoning blood, just so you know. It's not water. He would sprinkle the nations with atoning blood, and kings will shut their mouths. And you go on in 53, and this beloved person who uh, I I eventually did meet uh, uh, says, who believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. No stately form of majesty that we should look at him. No beauty that we should desire him. So over and over and over again, I I wrote this litany of descriptions about this person who was to come. And he was a lonely person. He was not a kingly person. Uh, he He was unassuming. He was the last person you would expect to be the Messiah. Because in Jewish tradition, we thought he'd be riding in on a white horse conquering the enemies of Rome. But this is, this is much more subtle and much more meaningful because embedded in everything I said about a glorious future, there is this sober and somber death of the righteous one who dies in the place of sinners. But then the good news is at the end of this chapter, in verses uh, 10 and following, it was the will of the Lord to crush him, to put him to grief, to make his soul an offering for guilt. And Hashem, that's the guilt offering we offered in the temple that never worked. But this one works forever. And he shall see his offspring prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Well, guess what? How can you die and live? It's impossible, right? That's a, that's a riddle from old Isaiah. How can you die and live? Well, you can die and live if you rise from the dead. And, well, you probably, who are listening, you probably know the end of the story um, because you understand that I was talking about Yeshua, which means God is the Savior. Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah for everyone who died for our sins and rose from the grave. And you can know him personally. You can know forgiveness of sin. All you have to do is ask. It's not complicated. Just say yes Mm. to Jesus and say, I accept you as my Messiah and King, and see what happens to your life. Anyway, I have a lot more to say because I'm only in chapter 53. We've got 13 (laughs) more chapters. But I'm not going to take the time now. But if you have any questions about what I had to say, uh, please write to me. All right. (laughs) Someone's lips need to start moving. (laughs) I... When you when you talk through your chapter like that, Isaiah, just a bit, and and I'm thinking about all the themes that come into the New Testament, I would think it would be absolutely scandalous to you to think that there might be people today who would say, eh, we don't really need to deal with the Old Testament anymore. We don't want to have any part of that. I mean, that was back then, but we've got the New Testament now. It's really different. I would think you might suggest that people could really understand the New Testament if they actually read it in your book. Oh, you want me to still be Isaiah then? <laughs> well, I probably, yeah. Because, because, I'm trying to sort it out myself. But yeah, yes. because Isaiah wanted Mitch Glazer to help out. Yeah, yeah. So tell us more, Isaiah slash Mitch. Okay. So um, I think that one of the weak points, I mean, I love the church. You know, I'm, you know it's an, I have an interesting relationship with the church. Jewish people don't like any kind of church. Mm. You know, remember, we were persecuted by Christians and so becoming part of the church is an uneasy relationship for most Jewish people who come to know Jesus as their Messiah. And, uh, but, but I remember, I mean, I crossed the street from churches in New York when I walked by. You know, my whole family was, 
my grandparents' family were all killed in the Holocaust. They were the only survivors. And, you know, so, I mean, church is not like a positive thing. And I figured it out one day, though, and that is that you fall in love with Jesus, and it's kind of like getting married. You love the woman, at least I'm a man, so. so you love the woman that you marry. And then, lo and behold, you realize, either before the wedding or after, definitely after, that you actually married their whole family. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what it's like becoming a believer. Hmm. You know? I have taken Jesus as my Savior, and he has taken me, and I get to inherit his whole family. And so I've spent almost the last 50 years getting used to that, you know. But fortunately, like Bill and Peter and and others, you say something really positive about the family that I inherited. So if you guys are reflective of the church, then I'm happy to have you as relatives. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of Jewish people see Jesus through the church but they don't really know what the true church is. Just the instrument, the political, religious entity that's brought them harm. And so the most important thing in really sharing the gospel with a Jewish person, besides getting them to read both the Old and the New Testament, a lot of Jewish people are still unfamiliar with the Old Testament, but one of the most important things you can do is show love as an individual. See, it's Sometimes the only thing a Jewish person is going to know about Jesus is through you. Mm. Because they're not going to easily walk into a church because it's enemy territory. That happens after they become believers, you know. So <clears throat> I do think that many pastors really need to reemphasize the Old Testament. I think if the church preached the Old Testament more, it not only would be more friendly for Jewish people, but I think there's a lot of truth in the Old Testament that are reflective of moral and civil values. And I think we'd have a lot tr- less trouble in society if we preached the Old Testament more often and believed it and obeyed it. So, Mitch, what did your mother think of the way you interpreted Isaiah 53? Mm. Well, Tom, I have a really good answer for you. I'd love to hear it. She fell asleep. <laughs> 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 so I became a <laughs> So I became a believer, came back to New Jersey where she was living, you know, and I told I said, Hey Ma, I've got really good news. She said, What's that? I said, I believe in Jesus. She said, Your father will show you the door. Mm. So it was not really good. And raised in a very orthodox home. And honestly, her parents, my beloved grandparents, when they found out I was a believer, never talked to me again. So it was hard. But I sat down with my mom and Johnny Carson at the time. Again, Wikipedia is a great source for that kind of cultural information. And so we sat down. My mom's watching TV. And I said, Mom, before I have to leave tomorrow, (laughs) by the way, two days later, crying, my mother said, please come back, please come back. Just don't ever talk about Jesus in this home. So, which I didn't listen to either, but a long story. So my mom uh, said, okay, listen, you have one shot. You can tell me about what you believe, but one shot, and you can't mention the New Testament. 
and no crosses. Mm. I don't know what the heck my mother thought I was going to do with a cross, you know? Anyway, so I sat down, and of course, I'm a believer for about three months, so I, I knew a lot. And so, <laughs> and, and so, so I, took out, I, took out, I took out my big gun. So I, I knew about Isaiah 53. I knew, I knew that one. And, uh, and so I said, Ma, can I read you this? It's from Isaiah. She said, I don't care who it's from. It's not the New Testament, right? So my mom was not too clear on the Bible, even though she was raised Orthodox. I said, no, Mom, he's one of our boys. Okay, so I, so I started reading Isaiah 53. And about verse 6 or 7, um, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's a very important passage for us uh, as it defines the sin nature. And I said, I said Mom, Mom. Mom, are you, you're asleep. How could you fall asleep? How could you fall asleep? Johnny Carson's boring and it's 1130 at night, but how could you fall asleep? This is exciting. So I woke her up and she said, look, I told you not to talk to me about Jesus. This is true. I said, Mom, I'm reading Isaiah. She says, I don't care who you're reading. It's the Old Testament. I don't care what Testament. You're not supposed to tell, don't tell me about Jesus. You had your chance. Good night. It then took me <clears throat> over 40 years to get my mother to listen. But I couldn't do anything about it. She had colon cancer. Mm. And God gave her a Haitian Baptist home health care worker that loved my mom for the last year of her life and prayed for her and was such an incredible example that my mom actually softened to the degree that on her deathbed, and I do believe in deathbed conversions. I used to not. I think I was arrogant. Mm. I believe in deathbed conversions. My wife said to my mom, you believe in God. My mother squeezed my wife's hand and smiled and nodded. And then she said, and do you believe in Jesus? And my mom smiled and nodded and said yes. Mm. Now, I wasn't. I, I was not there. I was, I was, keeping my sisters away from my mother so that my wife could talk to her. It takes two sometimes. Mm. So I still have to take it by faith. But I never would have asked my mother if she believed in Jesus, because I was so sure she would say no that I didn't want to live with the no. Mm. I wanted to live with the doubt. Mm. But God gave me something better. Mm. Wow. We'll take one more short break. Dr. Mitch, Mitch Glazer is our guest, and we'll be right back. study of Old Testament people, and we're talking about Isaiah today with Dr. Mitch Glazer. Tom Berkowitz is here as well. They are friends, and we're awfully glad to be uh, talking to Mitch. And 
Mitch, I know you've written a book called Isaiah 53 Explained, and I'm curious as to the effect this has had on the Jewish people during the pandemic. We've had pretty good uh, results. I mean, I wish I could list tons of people getting saved, but we've already put out about 200,000 of the books, and a lot of them are as a result of online uh, Facebook ads. And... um, Usually, whenever we we do this kind of ad, we usually get 10% Jewish people. I actually never thought Gentile Christians or Gentiles, anybody, would be interested in Isaiah 53, mm. you know. Uh, but we found a lot of uh, people are, and they want to give the book to their Jewish friends and so on. But we have had a, a number of Jewish people who have uh, come to faith in the middle of the pandemic, some at our services, and, and uh, one woman... Uh, as a result of our Isaiah 53 ad, sent her the book on Isaiah 53 Explained. She joined one of our online small group Bible studies and came to faith and is being discipled now. And, uh, you know, uh, Jewish evangelism is always retail, mm. you know, uh, precious one or two at a time. That's biblical. Mm-hmm. In Romans 11, Paul says that he is looking for the remnant according to the election of grace of God. So there's always a few. But... The hope, of course, is in the future. In Romans chapter 11, verses 25 through the end of the chapter, Paul says something quite different. After the olive tree illustration, he says that one day all Israel will be saved. Now, who, who is that group? Number one, they're ethnic Jews. Num- number two, they're all the Jewish people that are alive at that time. So it, it doesn't have a retrofitting uh, mm. element to it, so that if Jewish people didn't believe in Jesus before that... But all the Jewish people who are alive at that time will come to faith. And uh, I believe, even though this might sound a little spooky, I believe that we are constantly laying the groundwork for that event. Mm. Now, we don't know exactly when that will, will happen. Uh, but who knows? It, it, you know, let's see. Uh, what are some of the signs of the end? Israel will be back in the land. That'll never happen. So, <laughs> so we, can, we can dismiss that. Israel will be surrounded by enemies. No chance. Mm. No chance of that. And, um, and so, you know, w- when we think about how close we are, we're probably much closer than we think. Mm. Anyway, we have this mindset. Because the Bible says that, God's, that all Israel will be saved, we know the only way of salvation is through Jesus. And so if all Israel is going to be saved, that means they're going to believe in Jesus, Romans 10, 9, and 10. And so we, that's what we expect. And so we are sowing the seeds for what God might do at a future date. And we'll, we'll settle with the remnant today. Hmm. Uh, but we certainly look forward to the day when the nation is the remnant and the remnant is the nation. And that's one of the reasons, I think, I think, that in Romans eleven eleven, Paul, um, who knew a lot about Jewish evangelism, even though he's the, the apostle to the Gentiles, I think P- Paul said, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? And he says, may it never be. Mm. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And then he uses a purpose clause. You're next to Northwestern, so I got to show that I, and you teach there, Peter, so I (laughs) have to show you that I know Greek. Very little, little Greek, but I know Greek. So So it's a purpose clause. So you're to make Israel jealous, and that is one of the reasons that the gospel has gone to the Gentiles. Of course, we want to see as many Gentiles get saved as possible. But one of the things God is doing is raising an, an end times army of non-Jews 
to witness to Jewish people who, when Jewish people believe, then if you look at Romans 11, then Jesus returns. So Gentiles have a mandate to make Jewish people jealous. When Jewish people believe en masse, then Jesus returns, which happens, I'm not sure exactly from Scripture, which happens exactly first, but I know that that's the means. So we may not know the when, but we do know part of the how. And so I hope that uh, as you've listened to Isaiah himself, which is a rare treat, happens once every couple thousand years. (laughs) So So you have to realize that Jewish people have never heard about Isaiah 53. They've never heard that Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. They think it's all Christian and therefore foreign. What we need to explain to Jewish people actually is that the Gentiles were foreign. We're graft, Gentiles are grafted in. You know, we, we join in the commonwealth of Israel. We who were afar are now close, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. However you get in, you get in, you know. That's my opinion. And so Jewish people need to understand that they're not turning to a non-Jewish faith when they believe in Jesus, but they're actually turning to something that's very Jewish. And that's important. Does the flip side of this then work too? You talked earlier about when you became a believer, you were joining a certain kind of family, but for Gentiles looking backwards like this to recognize the origin and the people from whom they've come, that they're, they're sort of, that's part of the family engagement as well as looking backwards together in this whole thing. It isn't just a one-way family. Yeah, for sure. They can't really be a, a living church without Jews and Gentiles part of it. I mean, Paul makes that clear. And so, uh, but I also think that there's some interesting relationship between real, authentic, born-again believers and the Jewish community. I, I actually use the word covenant cousins because mm. it's we're not this. The church is not a distant relative to the Jewish community. Actually, they're a close relative, and Paul spells it out in the olive tree illustration. You know, you've been grafted back in and sharing the rich root of the olive tree, which I believe is the Abrahamic promises. And so Christians need to understand that when they came to Jesus, they became, spiritually speaking, more Jewish. Paul flat out says, you're sons and daughters of Abraham by faith. So, you know, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Mitch, are you in, are you in town for Tom's cooking or are you here for something else? I'm in town for Marsha's cooking. Um, (laughs) Just just to make that absolutely clear, you know, I am going to be um, ministering at Wooddale Church. I'm going to... Which is right here in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. I'm going to be going to be preaching at the missions conference. So I'll be speaking Sunday morning at the Eden Prairie uh, uh, campus, and then I'm going to video the other one, and it will be shared at some of the other campuses. And so I'm really excited about that. Really, really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. We're really glad that you were able to come into studio. I've spoken to you on the phone several times, and I've had you in studio twice now, and it's really a treat. It's so, Peter, I can't think of anything that's more fun. Oh, it's a total treat to just be in the studio, the four of us like this. And and I think to give people a sense as we're talking about these these background characters, that it's one thing to just learn about them. It's another thing to feel like you're part of a big, grand, arcing story that's been continuing to this day. And I think, Mitch, among the many things that you bring to this conversation is that there is this big story. We're not 
reject, rejects from some other story. We're part of a big redemptive arc that started in Genesis 3, as you talked about earlier. What's beautiful, I think, and many Jewish believers learn this when they become part of a good local church and a good local fellowship, and that is we bring the heritage. Mm-hmm. And Christians are so eager to plug in to that heritage that sometimes Jewish people get swelled heads. You know, I remember when they wanted me to teach an Old Testament Sunday school at my Baptist church, and I'd been a believer for four months. <laughs> even even I knew I shouldn't do that. Yeah, that qualifies you to have your own radio show. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Oh, come Thank on, you, Bill. Thank you, Mitch, for You're being welcome, with brother. us today. Peter, has been a great fun. I'll let Martha's comment uh, finish us off today. It's been an incredible time listening to Isaiah and Dr. Glazer. Laughter and tears and wonderful insights. Mm, love Very that. Nice. I yeah. love that. That's our time for today. Thanks so much for joining us. If you missed any of this, I promise you're going to want to go to myfaithradio.com, check out the Afternoon with Bill uh, website, and get the podcast and listen to it. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.